In this episode, we're talking about online auctions, how they differ from those held on site and the things both bidders and sellers need to know. Look, the last 12 months is a perfect example that it won't. You know, we're, we're, it's going to integrate and it's going to be a wonderful integration tool to what we already have. And what it's going to do is is not only for our buyers, right, that are interstate or our buyers that are, that are overseas, also for our vendor that's sitting in Greece, right, that previously couldn't engage with the auction. They had to be on a telephone. Now they can just click on their link and, and watch the whole process as it unfolds. <laughs> Welcome to The Elephant in the Room. This is the podcast where we love to talk about the big things in property that never usually get talked about. I'm Veronica Morgan, real estate agent, buyer's agent, co-host of Foxtel's Location, Location, Location Australia and author of Auction Ready. And I'm Chris Bates, mortgage broker. Before we get started, I need to let you know that nothing we say on here can be taken as personal advice. We always recommend you engage the services of a professional. Don't forget that you can access the transcript for this episode on the website as well as down Download our free full or forecaster report. Which experts can you trust to get it right? Theelephantintheroom.com.au In the early days of COVID-19 lockdowns, vendors and agents withdrew properties from auction en masse. There was little confidence in online auctions as a method of sale, and as soon as restrictions were lifted, those that did continue with the online model switched straight back to on-site auctions. This time around, agents report that online auctions are delivering huge results, with one reported a record 62 registered bidders last weekend. But the rules are different with online auctions. Technology plays a part, and it's nowhere near as transparent transparent as when you can attend an auction in person. Do buyers know what they're in for or are they treating it like an eBay auction? To answer these questions and more, we're joined today by auctioneer Jesse Davidson. Jesse is the Chief Auctioneer and Director at Auction Works and has been conducting both in-rooms and on-site auctions for both residential and commercial properties for over 10 years and online as well now. Welcome, Jesse. Hello, how are you? Thank you so much for having me. Good to have you on, Jesse. I mean, it's an interesting time in lots of fields, but I mean, not being able to do, say, on-site or in-person auctions, how are the auctions going and how are you finding that sort of transition to becoming a, a bigger part of the market? Yeah, look, it's been an interesting transition. I, I think the first thing to note is that, uh, you know, comparing to last year when we had our first major lockdown in, I think it was March 27-ish, yep. <laughs> we had a very, very different discussion to have with a lot of our agents. There was not a lot of uptake to the online process, but most importantly, vendors weren't taking to the process. This time around, it's been very, very different. We've had agents engaging with us rather than us having to sort of go after them. Uh, And also owners that seem to be happy with the process being as though that we've had, you know, a good amount of success throughout the last, you know, 12 months of utilizing the programs. And I think that's one really important thing to note is that Mm. whilst we're sort of getting back to online auctions now. The reality is for a lot of the auctioneers, we've actually been running them now for for 12 months. Mm. We sort of never really turned off, if that makes sense. Yes, we we were excited to get back on site, but from an online process, certainly been running it consistently. So to answer your question about success, our clearance rate's gone up, but the level of stock has actually gone down by 40%. So we can't Mm. read too much into that data, but registered bidders has gone from 5.3 up to 9.3. Now, I understand you can't have 0.3 
person, but you know what I mean. So that <laughs> has been a substantial change for us in that we're operating with a lot more interested parties. So that's been a you know a couple of interesting things to take out of this lockdown compared to the last. Yeah. And part of that could be obviously there's less listings, so therefore you got more, you know, more buyers as a function of less listings to to compete for. But can you just explain for us? Because obviously you use a platform called Auction Live. Can you just explain for us firstly how that works, how it differs from an on-site auction for bidders in particular? So this is a multifaceted question here. We'll go back. I'll, I'll remind you of what my first question was <laughs> in a sec. Right. And I know that there's sort of really three main types of online auctions as they're being utilized at the moment. So let's first of all, let's look at the method that you use, Auction Live. How does that work? Effectively, what happens is the the property is uploaded onto the Auctions Live system. It then creates what's called a pre-registration link. That pre-registration link is then sent out to all interested parties, and that is their opportunity to then obviously pre-register for the property. So they put in all of their registration details that they intend to put on that contract. They put in their solicitor's details. If they're bidding on behalf of a company from a buyer's agent's perspective, they'll put in their authority form if necessary there. Yep. Effectively, what happens from that point is the system just then holds that that list of people in effectively a holding paddock. And then the agent's job is to come in and say, okay, I now qualify that this party is actually a legitimate buyer. And this is a massive step to the system that I think buyers need to understand as well Mm. from transparency is that it's not like anybody can jump on these systems and register. The agent has the ability to then say, okay, John Smith, I have no idea who this party is. I'm going to call them, not to say that they can't bid, but I'm going to call them and qualify them because they're not going to bid on my auction unless I know who they are, particularly online where we don't have that attachment where we can see the purchases. So just just to step in for a sec, so yeah, sure. obviously the risk, you know, Half of me thinks, oh, an agent wants as many bidders as possible, but the other half of me says, but say that unknown quantity ends up being the highest bidder, how do they actually make sure that they do fundamentally pay the deposit and sign the contract? So is that the risk? Yeah, it's a really good point. I think we've got to assume that that a huge and a vast, vast, vast majority of agents, of course, are good people, but most importantly, they want to deal too. So Mm. a flake buyer to them is never as good as a, a, I mean, let's be honest, that the change in buyer's agencies or the way that buyer's agents are are looked at upon the, the, in the market at the moment is astounding. People love buyer's agents and so they damn well should (laughs) because they're putting people in front of you who are ready to act because the buyer's agent doesn't make a commission unless they make a purchase and the owner is the same way. So I do believe that we need to rely on the fact that a lot of our agents are good people, but they also want the sale to happen. And and because of that, they will only allow good quality purchases to actually participate in the auction. So once the pre-registered bidder is, is approved, they then complete their registration. The buyer has two options. They either then bid, well, they effectively have three options. They either then choose to bid on the online app where they can download an app on their phone watch the live stream at the time of the auction and bid through the app. So that's option one. Option two is to just jump on their laptop and do it the same way so they don't have to do it through an app if if you're a little less tech savvy. And option three is the option which I call my dad's option, and I'm glad that that he doesn't (laughs) listen to podcasts. But the reality is if you asked my dad to bid on an app for a property, he would pretty much say, mate, I'm not interested. Uh, Thank you. I'm not (laughs) coming. 
So what we're trying to do now is for my dad, I try and have an option where we say, okay, we can incorporate telephone bidding. And with the telephone bidder, mm. it's just like the old way, we're on the telephone, but to make sure they're engaged, we still send them the live stream link so that they can watch it on their laptop and still be engaged, but they're on the telephone where they feel a lot more comfortable. <laughs> so once the, um, once the purchase has taken place, so bidder number five buys the property, there is a multitude of options. I, as the auctioneer, can sign on behalf of the vendors. I'm trying to take a role, and I think it's important for buyers agents to understand this as well, is that I'm trying to move away from signing for buyers at the moment unless really necessary on online auctions. I'm okay with live auctions, and the single reason for that is is I think when a purchase is buying online, we need to ensure that they, they know what they've done. That's why these systems are great. They time and date stamp everything. Mm. We want to know that they know the bid that they've made. We also want them to sign the contract, which shows good quality intent, and then we want them to pay the deposit. They're the three major things that, that lock down a sale, and that's what an owner wants. And, of course, from an auctioneer and agent's point of view, we operate to ensure that the owner gets a safe transaction. Are you finding, though, that any apprehensive still from vendors who are saying, right, I can't do in person, right, I'm just going to wait for this lockdown to finish? Is that a, or is that what you were seeing a lot last year but not as much this year? I mean, absolutely. Yeah, because it's so, sort of tempting, right? If you've got a place that you're pretty confident it's going to present really well, it's going to be a nice, beautiful sunset, you're going to get everyone out on your deck around your pool <laughs> and offer a free bottle of champagne and blah, 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 like, do you still feel that people are so attached to that idea of selling that I've got to sell this fire an app and on telephone, it's not going to get that same result? I think the important thing to note probably now in this market is that there is an element of people that need to transact. So mm. it is not for everybody. And I think that's that's a really important point is that not everybody is going to engage with the online process. And to answer your first question, absolutely. Um, you know, 40% of our, our agents and, and vendors decided that this wasn't for them. They wanted to park the asset. They're in no great rush. So they want to push it back to gotcha. an online auction, oh, sorry, on-site auction, mm. uh, where they feel that they'll have the most amount of success. And that, you know, from my point of view, I support whatever my vendors want to do. If that's what they think is in their best interest, okay. But what online auctions are doing really well is that for the people that need to transact or still want to transact or for agents that, you know, I looked at one the other day where I had 17 registered bidders. I mean, this agent was being knocked over in the rush and he said, mate, we have no other option because I'm getting offers left, right and centre. And if I don't Mm. handle it on an online auction, I'm going to look like a bad agent by, you know, people thinking I've gazumped them or whatever it may be. So a lot of them Mm. are look, we're getting hammered. Let's go to the online process. And with less stock on the market, I'm seeing some ridiculous prices being paid for property right at the minute. It's just panic. It's it's like toilet paper. Seriously, buyers, there will be more (laughs) stock coming on the market, guys. There'll be more toilet paper on the shelves. You don't have to go crazy and pay ridiculous price for the slim pickings there are at the minute. As an auctioneer, I mean, one of the things that, you know, I guess on site, the auctioneer's charisma and how you hold the room and how you generate fear of missing out, how you work all those wonderful human emotions that we talk about here in the elephant in the room, you know, is that diminished in some way when you take it offline? Or or take it online, I should say, when you actually put a screen in between you and the buyers? 
Short answer is yes, it is diminished slightly. But what I've noticed, at least in my personal calls and and within my team, is that the more that I'm doing, the better I'm getting. And I think Mm. the more you do anything, the better you get at it. So I'm learning how to utilize the system's sort of technology advances, you know, call signs going once, going twice, third time, a lot more. I'm also trying to have a lot more in-depth conversations with my agents for them to prepare their buyers. Too often, agents sort of just assume that on an on-site auction, buyers know what they're doing. Now, the answer to that is they certainly don't. And now that we're (laughs) online, they know even less. So what agents need to do is hold people's hand, be it a buyer's agent or be a first-time buyer or be it a a downsizer or, or anybody who's wanting to engage in the process is sit down with them and talk them through it, show them some success online, show Mm. them how the process works. Otherwise, people just won't engage because it scares them. And and I understand that. But I mean, if you ask somebody 15, 20 years ago, if they would have bought a camera online, they would say absolutely not. But Mm. now, you know, that's pretty much how you buy them. Property is changing slightly. I don't think we're ever going to go to a full online process, not for a while yet. I think Mm. people love the theatre of an auction and I think people love to engage with it. And I must admit, I can't wait to get back to normal. But for the time being, I'm getting the hang of it and I'm getting better. So yes, we lose a little bit of our Mm. as I suppose, but- Mm better and more we do, I suppose we can try and earn a bit of that back. So you've got lots of tricks in your toolkit that, you know, you have to use at different times for different people or different things. Is there any in the online auction where you're like, wow, that's actually something that's a little advantage for you as an auctioneer trying to get the best price for your vendor that I wasn't expecting that's a surprise or some strategy I can use that I can now do online that I can't do in person? Yes. Being firm on my increments has worked really, really well for me. (laughs) We've had a couple of auctions and one of my auctioneers, who I actually think is one of the best auctioneers in the state, Jake Downs, did an auction the other day and online and he did an incredible job, but he took 256 bids on this (gasps) property. Now, it wasn't his fault. He did an, an amazing job. The agent was over the moon. The vendor was obviously happy to keep going for another hour. Mm. But at the end of the day, he took a $1,000 bid above the reserve price and, and quite well above the reserve price, to be fair. So he did the right thing. But what I've tried to do a little bit more is have more high-level discussions with my agents about if I feel that this auction is performing or, or still has good quality legs in it, give me the ability to knock back smaller increments because I believe it's in your vendor's best interest. And mm. obviously that's, I've got to operate under my vendor's best interest. And it's, you know, if, if, you know, we do have to, to a certain degree, we are paid for the experience that we have and in these sort of positions to understand when somebody's potentially going to go a little further and those that won't. Now we're not always right. And which always gives you the ability to go back and say, sir, I will take that thousand dollar bid if, if, if that bigger chunk didn't work. But yeah, that's probably the one thing that mm. I've noticed that I've gotten better at. And also probably utilizing call signs seem to work really well on online, the first, second, third as well. Are you able to know the legs in the market as like you know, in terms of your bidders, you're looking at all these faces on screens. Can you sense that legs anywhere near as much as well than if it's in person? No, not as well. But a lot of it, as I say, is around discussions with the agent. So yeah, okay. I'm having discussions with the agent. A lot of my discussions is, okay, bit of number three is Joe Thompson. Tell me about Joe. What does he do? Okay, well, mate, Joe made an offer of 1.4. I reckon he's our probably best buyer. So I start to, as I'm as I'm running the auction, if, if bidders numbers three, seven, and eight are all running the auction and I haven't seen bidder number four, 
I then suddenly go, you know, because in the back of my head, I've got on my notes here that he's one of the better buyers. Bit of number four, where are you at this sort of level? Now, I can never say their name, <laughs> but I can engage with them at that sort of level. So there's those sort of tools as well that we can, mm-hmm. can use, but it's all around discussion. I, I just did a training session this morning with uh, Bell Property Kilcare up in, up in the central coast. Yep. And one of the things I said to them is that all the work that you would have done at the auction, do it prior and discuss that with me. Tell me everything I need to know. This is not like where I turn up on Saturday and just sort of play it as I see it. I need to be much, much more prepared in my in my sort of game plan. This is so fascinating and I love it that you're sharing these insights, Jesse, because one of my questions actually is can you choose your increments? But before I get to you as a buyer, that is, what you've just given us is some insight into you know, how an experienced auctioneer will look to cues and then do certain things accordingly. And and what I always say to my clients is that I'm looking to the auctioneer for clues as to how many other bidders are in it, how strong other bidders are, because, you know, the agent's got all the information that we don't have. And and I know if they've, the bid, vendor bids high, for argument's sake, there's that, that gives various clues. If it's low, there's other clues. And then the increments that's being called for also gives clues. So you're even saying that even over-reserve, a strong increment, is really because you think someone who hasn't yet contri- or participated and should be participating and that price is there. And you're also not wanting to give away signs that everyone, you know, you're at the, at the end of it, right? So I think that's really fascinating. Mm. And also the very fact that you're given that in New South Wales, obviously you have to register in, in Victoria, you don't. So therefore in New South Wales, you as an auctioneer is given a, a, a quality of information that you can work through that auction with. I know I go to auctions and watch people register because I want to pick up things as well. I can't do that now at an online auction. So that's something in my toolkit that I no longer have. As a bidder though, one of the things I like to do is mess with the increments. I don't want you controlling things as, you know, if I can in some small way, because I realize it's a seller's market, but where's the flexibility for a buyer to change things up a bit during an auction or isn't there? Less so. There's certainly less opportunities to do it. There's, you know, particularly with our option of auctions live, there is no back and forth like a Zoom. So, Mm. you know, where I've had a few engagements on Zoom that have been a bit awkward and you get the guy that turns up in his undies and the other bloke (laughs) yelling and, you know, all these sorts of things, there is no ability for back and forth sort of, you know, abuse and all these other things that we sort of cop on site. Mm. Yeah. I can't heckle you. Exactly right. But in terms of increments, which is a wonderful question, you you still got the ability to do funny increments, do all sorts of things. There is no necessary, I suppose, ability to pull it back to ones when the auction is moving in twenties. You know, the simple press of a button, I reject the bid. But the same way I would on Saturday. Yep. What a lot of auctioneers, and I think I've tried to train my team to do really well, is when you're online and you're getting these bids to not reject a bid. And, and beat your chest like an ape, like we're the boss. Mm. You know, a lot of the time, if, if somebody puts a $1,000 bid in, I say, bid of number seven, thank you so much for the offer. It's a little early for a single. I'm going to have to reject that. Buyers, we advance in tens for the moment. Mm. And and suddenly, you know, a lot of these buyers, it happened to me last night, it happened to me on, on Monday night as well. A lot of these buyers then say, okay, I think he's fair. He's probably right. And they are coming back with a 10. Now, I might only get three or four more 10s until we get it back up into the realms of reality. From there, I'll happily work with you. But a lot of the time, the advice from a buyer's point of view is the the single $1,000 rise is actually not always a great option. Mm. You know, a lot of the time it keeps people in the fight. Oh, yeah, Mm. totally. 
and and people have this idea and it's always the one and both of you would have heard this a million times you know there's always that uncle you know that's that bought an auction in 1987 and he <laughs> asked the auctioneer if he was on the market and he bought it and you know this story is just repeated blah 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 all the time yeah. the, the reality <laughs> is with bidding is you've got to have a good quality strong bidding strategy and and nine times out of ten and this is nine times out of ten your strategy will play you know, very importantly to you, but nine times out of 10, the person with the most amount of money buys it. That's the same. Most Um, people don't have a strategy though, you know. never. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing. Is there an online strategy though that you've, you know, picked up over the last, say, I don't know, 12 months or 18 months, whatever long you've really been starting to get a real flow on this where you're seeing someone playing the online game better than, you know, let's say it's the smaller increments versus the bigger ones. But is there something in the online space where you think it's just got to, it really scares the other buyers? I mean, that's ultimately what a lot of good buyers agents are doing. But is there something you're finding in the online space where uh, that's happening? Absolutely. Two things. First thing that I saw in terms of strategies is people who are good on tech scare people who aren't good on tech. Mm. So what I've noticed really is even if the increments are moving in fives, when we wait 45 seconds for bidder number seven to make a five, if you can <laughs> bid back in 10 seconds, that guy goes, Jesus, wow. That was yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then they go, like, either the person on the end of this knows exactly what they're doing or they're not going to lose it. So that's the same yeah. strategy I tell people on a Saturday. And also the strategy that I gave one of my best friends who who bought from, funnily enough, one of our auctioneers, Lorenzo Junti, on Saturday, I talked to him about, and I say this to every buyer, I always ask them the question, at, at what level are you happy to buy this property? And and I always ask them the question, if if they're guiding $2.2 million, what are you happy to pay? And a lot of the time they'll say, look, I'm, look re- realistically, I'll pay two four twenty. And you say, okay, so <laughs> if I ask you, if you were to buy it at 2200000 would you be over the moon? And the answer again, it's rhetorical. Yes, I'd be absolutely over the moon. Then make an opening bid of 2.2. What, <laughs> you know, there's no need to come in at two. You know it's going to get there and you've already just told me that you've done your due diligence and you know it's great value at 2.2. Get rid of the 2.1 and the 2.150 buyers early. So they're the two strategies I've seen, a good quality start and also online if you can bid back nice and quickly. And there's only one way to get good at online tech, unfortunately, and that's to bid on property, which is an expensive habit. It is very much so. I've played with, um, when I say play, we we bought some art online in the auctions Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I just thought I wanted to to play around with it and I figured it's sort of lower risk. And and (laughs) one of the auctions, okay, so they do this thing where it gets the higher bidder and it looks like it's over the risk it's going to sell and then there's a timer and so it sets for 10 minutes and so then you've got all the underbidders sitting there going oh my god oh my god okay what about one more all that sort of stuff and you can actually preload your limit in there so that the minute somebody else bids your bid trumps them and then it resets for 10 for 10 minutes and it's like agonizing so if you agonize and then try to make it at the end of the 10 minutes I think it's worse than actually preloading it with your own buyer's reserve so that it just bang, hits it. And then, so that was my technique that I developed yeah. for buying art. And I think it worked, right? But then again, yeah, you'll never well, know if it worked because there's no parallel universe. There isn't. And that that's the that's the thing about auctions and, and people saying, I would have sold it for a little bit more. You never know and you will never know. Mm. You know it's just one of those issues. And yeah, it's it's a funny process, but it's look, it, it's it's making it more, I suppose, a little bit more difficult for people at the moment. But the other thing, as I said, people are getting used to it, which is which is fantastic. But there's also Zoom auctions. 
Yes. So have you seen any of those in action? Yeah, no, done a, done a fair few and mm. seen a fair few in, in action. The one thing I'd say about all of these systems, and I think I've got to be quite fair and reasonable when I, when I talk about them, is that I think they've all got separate benefits. You know, mm. I think Auctions Live has got things that I love. So, for example, I think their quality of stream is the best on the market. I think some of the innovations in auction now are probably advanced. Mm-hmm. But I also love the back and forward integration of a, of a Zoom call or a Google Hangouts. I, I don't mind being able to see people again, particularly when I've been staring down the lens of a camera for the last mm. three months. Mm. So it's not bad. I don't mind them. There's a few things that have popped up in the last three or four weeks, which I believe the OFT are looking into with Zoom in relation to us jumping on Zoom and our names popping up the top. Oh, yeah. We're not allowed to declare the names of other buyers. Now, I understand we're not declaring it, but we're also creating an environment where they are declaring them. So I just think we just need to be really careful and clever. And for anyone that you're representing, you know, it doesn't hurt to say buyer, and whatever your bidder's number is, seven. Just you can change your name at the start of of the engagement. Yep. Again, I don't think anyone's head's going to roll for it. I just think it's something that we need to be aware of. And I know this personally because my wife and I bid on a Zoom property late last year. We missed it before we bought our one up in Avalon now. And I remember Facebooking one of the people in the group, <laughs> uh, which, you know, and that's shocking. I'm, I'm sorry to admit that, but it's true. Right? So, so that's not good and we can't mm. have people doing that and we need to still ensure that we're providing privacy. So we've lent the other way because we feel it's just a little more above board, if that makes sense. There's also glitches if somebody's internet sort of staggers or they freeze, you know, like, I mean, I guess there's terrible timing or luck depending on how you look at it. How, how do you sort of work around those issues when you're uh, live streaming? Don't panic. That 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 is the first thing is not to panic is, you know, have your team prepped for exactly this, but also have your buyers prepped for it. A lot of the discussions around online auctions need to be had with your buyers early. So it's a matter of saying, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, in the event that you're stream does drop out or you have an issue with your stream, this is the emergency number that I want you to call. Now, I don't think it hurts for agents to be super safe now and have a telephone authority filled in for every buyer just in case. So just an extra little authority to say that should your internet drop out, we can pick up the phone and take your bids over the telephone. <laughs> Talk about stressful. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly right. And, and it is it is a stressful time. But, you know, the auctioneer is always going to normally know what's going on. So they'll pull it up from there. So normally it won't continue to proceed. It'll just hold up, stay calm. And also, you know, engaging with your buyers prior to the day to make mm-hmm. sure they know how it works. One of the big questions I'm telling my agents to ask their buyers is, guys, you know that there's an online auction coming in three weeks. Let's start the dialogue now. And I want you to ask these buyers, guys, if you intend to bid on this auction at 11 a.m. on Saturday to so-and-so, where will you be watching the auction online? And if so, could you do me a favour and just do a quick site recce to make sure that you've got great internet? If you like what you're hearing here, please share this episode with others you feel would benefit. And while you're at it, why not leave us an iTunes review? Five stars, please. Every review helps make it easier for other people to find us and hear what our amazing guests have to say. We love hearing your questions and we're planning more listener Q&A episodes. Please send your questions in. You can send them via the website, which is theelephantintheroom.com.au or directly via email to questions at theelephantintheroom.com.au. How long do they go for? 
Uh, how long do they go for? Yeah. That's, how long's a piece of string, to be honest? Um, mm, do they go longer than than a, than mm. a typical on-site auction? I mean, you don't have to jump in your car and race off to the next one. Yeah, so they are. They, the average auction uh, used to go from anywhere from sort of 9 to 15 minutes. These are probably going for about 8 to 25 minutes. We've had ones go over an hour. <laughs> So they do take a lot longer, but that's that's by hesitancy, I think, as well. So the more I'm doing, again, the faster they're going. And I think it's got something to do with my control of it too. And I'm not trying to piddle in my pocket. It's just a fact that the more you do of anything, the better you get at it. And I think mm. that's happening. Jesse, have you seen anyone go down the sort of like the true eBay sort of style where, you know, I'm not sure if it's happening or not, but where there's no auctioneer, I'm not saying this is a good idea or you should not yeah. have a job, but yep. where literally as soon as a property sort of lists, it might not even be in Australia, where it's like you put your register your bid and then the maximum bid by, you know, the 31st of August is when as the price will take, like a real like eBay sort of auction. Yep. Are you seeing that in the residential space or not? I, I think it's in the commercial space. Yeah, well, like I, I can actually talk at quite length to this. So my mentor, who I ended up buying the business off in 2018, still works for us, David Scholes. He has pretty much had and had designed this system probably before anyone did, about 13, 14 years ago, is running with the business now. The answer is yes, it exists. And David probably won't love me saying this. I don't think it works <laughs> nearly as well as what we do. Mm. But in saying that, he's had great success on certain products. He has a lot of success on regional assets. A lot of regional buyers are used to systems like Auction Plus, where you buy you know, 150 steers or heifers through an online process. And the idea of Auctions Plus, just to give you some relevance here, is that the farmer doesn't have to go into the stockyards to do it. They see the photos directly from Farmer A and Farmer B buys it straight mm-hmm. off the farm and then they pick them up and take them. So they're, they're all used to this, a lot of the regional buyers. So the answer mm-hmm. is it is done. It's just not done in a massive scale. That system's called, funnily, well, it was called Auction Works Online, but he's just rebranded it to Sold Online. So there is systems out there. He is doing a few, but its I wouldn't say he's been knocked over in the rush with it. it. It's got its benefits for certain different people, but you bid over days, not minutes, and there's normally a close-down time of, say, 2 o'clock on a Friday, and should a bid be made in the last five minutes, it just pushes it out another five minutes. Pushes yeah, the out. reset. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, it, there's no incentive really to make your bid, right? Because no, I don't actually get concern. Yeah, that, that's what I found as well is that, is that a lot of buyers – sort of left their last their, their best bids to last. And I sort of looked at the process of a five-day auction and thought about that. Mm. But what David did really well is he also got the integration of a starting bid that wasn't a vendor bid. So effectively saying that if we're guiding 1.5, he'd take put a starting bid in the system of 1.3, which means that any bid above that is considered. Mm. So effectively that's not a vendor bid, but it gets the, the process starting and it gives people five days to say, well, geez, 1.3, I thought that was going to go for a bit more. This is value. I might do some more DD on this one. All psychology, isn't it? Yeah, all psychology. Exactly right. So you're saying that actually that actually gives them time to do their due diligence. So that's interesting. So they haven't actually really decided they're going to buy it at the point where the auction process starts. Ho- hopefully they have, but it keeps <laughs> the ones on the fence a little mm. bit more time. So, you know, once a genuine figure is put on the floor of, of any negotiation, 
I think it allows both parties to say, okay, now we can really start to assess the situation and work out how we proceed. Mm. And and when your starting call is is value at one three in a in a one five scenario, buyers then start to you know, and dare I say it, a little bit of greed kicks in for all of us, right? We all say, oh, geez, at one three, I I reckon I could stack this up. Mm. And that's one of the big things we notice as well. So well, this system works. I just don't engage with an enormous amount now. I don't want to put myself out of a job yet, but yeah. uh, I, I definitely <laughs> think there's a future for it. Unfortunately for David, and I think he'll be the first to admit this as well, he was just so far ahead of his time. You know, this tech 10 years ago yeah. was very scary to a lot of people. He did tell us about it. Actually, we interviewed David in one of the first, I think it was episode eight or something, very early on because David was uh, the auctioneer when I was a selling agent. And, in fact, the first time I heard you, Jesse, I actually thought it was David with a cold. Yeah, um, I couldn't see you. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, David Scholes is back. I was like, oh, my God, who is that person? Sounds like David. You have a mentor very close to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so in the online sort of it's more, I guess, a hybrid in a way that you, you're there as an auctioneer but you've got people with apps or using software and beating with a button, a push of a button, unless they're the, the dad version when they're on the phone. So what are you doing? You've got a screen in front of you and you're just basically putting on a performance. Uh, with yeah, run, Running off an iPad pretty much. So mm. I set up a tripod um, with a live stream on it. Uh, I run off an iPad where all of my pre-registered buyers are in that system. If you're pre-registered, all I have to do is click accept or decline your bid. Mm. If you're over the telephone, I have to input that bid manually. So let's say it's a 10,000 over the bid. I will then add 10 and press bid. It's always a little easier, to be honest. It's one less button to, to accept mm. the bid. So that's why we love the online ones. But again, we don't want to exclude people. I And I said this to the agents I trained this morning. The biggest thing owners want to know at the moment is that we can still get them a premium price for their asset. That's what they mm. want to know. And I truly believe that with the, you know, with the examples we've had in the last three weeks, the answer is absolutely we can. We can still do it for you. It's not quite going to be the way you used to, but we can still get you your premium. And that's what owners need. But you are very much helped by the market though, aren't you? Because let's face it, it's hot market. Auctions are just bumped back into for Sydney anyway, just bumped back over 80% clearance rate the week before uh, lockdown. You know, is it is it sort of a function of market conditions that allows it to be so successful? I think that'd be a fair comment. Yeah, I really do. I think that'd be a fair comment. I, you know, if our market conditions were were you know two thousand and nine, two thousand and ten, then yeah, probably not. But yeah. where we're at at the moment, I think has helped. And I look, I also think that the, the, the pandemic has 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 sort of recreated that Australian dream again of owning property mm-hmm. and owning a home. You know, people have, have been scared out of their units and, and these sorts of things and want a bit more space. And I think that's driving it as well. It, it, there's a bunch of factors. Obviously, interest rates at the moment are, are a yeah. bit higher in the way people are behaving and, and why they're making decisions. So, And they're the major things that I think are also driving people's desire to want to upsize. And that's what we're seeing right across the country is, is a pretty much genuine desire to upsize. So on the buy, on the sort of, you've gotten potentially the tricks that benefit on online auctions. Is there any of the sort of tricks that you like to use in person that you're like, oh, damn, in this situation, I really want to go in and pretend I need to go speak to the vendor or, you know, <laughs> all these like tricks that you'll use that, you know, we know you're going in there for just for a cup of tea or a biscuit, but is there something that you use on auction day where you're like, I cannot do this in online auctions and I really want to use that card right now, but I just can't. A faster negotiation with the highest bidder. 
right? So our job is to always try and get the most amount of money. One of the big things I train my agents on when you're running a, a standard auction campaign is just because we've exceeded the owner's reserve doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and get more money. Now, mm. buyers, agents and buyers don't want to hear that. But at the end <laughs> of the day, we make no apologies for who, who I operate Absolutely. under. For who sure. I so at the end of the day, you will find weaker agents will be happy to to accept an offer. And I see that. I see it all the time. And you'll also see agents that say, much the same as I said to you before about my feeling on where an auction's going to go, mm. that say, you know what? I think this buyer's got a little bit more money. And I, I always talk about, and I call it the RSL test, right? Where once an owner's sold, they go down and have a beer with all their friends and they talk about the scenario, right? Or the <laughs> pub test and they sit there and they talk about how their auction went. And there's two scenarios where they say, well, you know what? We had a reserve of $1,250,000. We got one two twenty, and we were pretty happy. But in the same scenario, if the agent goes back in and confirms with the owner, are you happy to take one two twenty? Yes, I am. Okay, Mr. and Mrs. Owner, I think there's a little bit more money out there. Give me one moment if you can. Go back out, get that offer increased to one million two hundred and thirty thousand. So by a single just a ten thousand dollar bid, to the buyer it means quite a bit. To the agent's commission, it means absolutely zip. Mm. But to the owner, that's now paid a portion of their styling and a portion of their marketing. And they've just told you that they would have taken less, but you went out and got more. So when the discussion starts to happen at the pub about how you performed as an agent and an auctioneer, they're the things that are spoken about, in my opinion. Yeah, very true. I think one of the things that, that we say to, to buyers all the time is that, you know, the auctioneer's job and the agent's job is to get the most amount of, for the vendor. And I often find auctions so interesting because I, I watch, oh, I love watching auctions. I mean, it's just sport for me, but I watch the auctionee work it. I watch the agent work it. I watch buyers sort of don't know what to do really in many of the cases. So they actually don't know what to do when the agent comes back to them and asks them, you know, for more money. And it's like, well, in reality, if it was competitive, you don't have to give any more money, you know, yeah. <laughs> just because you've yeah. got it doesn't mean you should give it. 100%. And yeah, so there's there's a there's you know I think it's uh, I don't mind hearing you say that you're actually going for more money because we we all know that that's what you're doing and I think that that's really interesting too about not all agents or the sort of inexperienced or the the less the less skilled agents that don't know how to go and ask for more money from buyers as well and I guess that's what you're not getting in an online scenario right is it is you know do you do the going inside and talking to the vendor and getting it confirmed on the market is is that sort of still happen yes. at some point. All done over Zooms and stuff. The the increase of a high speed, so with a reserve of one six and it gets to one five and and trying to bridge a gap to one five twenty-five or one five fifty, that process is a lot more clunky. Anybody that tells mm. you otherwise is misleading you. It is much more clunky. Mm. That's why I talk to my agents about being super prepared. Have your numbers ready. I will tell you bidder number six has got the highest bid. I will hopefully buy that portion have eked out the last final probably highest bidder. So most of the time I would have gotten rid of my underbidders and I go, okay, definitely seven appears to me to be the highest bidder. They're the party that we call and try and increase the offer. So to answer your question, yes, much more clunky, but mm. doable. Are you finding different types of property though are surprising you where you think actually this property is selling better on an online version than on site? Yeah, because sometimes type of properties don't present well, in the auction day, maybe they go, oh, God, it's actually a bit small in here. There's, there's five people here trying to bid and kind of a party sort of thing. I mean, is there certain type of properties where you think online's actually helping them and, and longer term you would advise them to stay on the online versus going on site? 
I'll, I'll sort of answer that two ways. One of the things that I would also say is in-room. I think online yeah. and in-room can sort of operate together, and I think there's a lot of stock that suit both processes. So an example would be units. I mean, if you're yep. selling a studio apartment, don't have 50 <laughs> people in the unit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's, and it's embarrassing. And let's be fair, it, it's going to be at least six to 12 months before we get out of these sort of confined restrictions where numbers matter in rooms. Mm. So, you know, we can't be doing that. So I think we need to look at bringing those sorts of, of stock that seem to operate pretty well. And there's one other reason why those sort of studio apartments, one betters, two betters operate well, and I think you guys would know it pretty well. It's the demographic of buyer, mm. the style of buyer that is sub 40, sub 35, that is completely tech, you know, everything in their life is completely tech dominant. Yeah. And they and they run on tech their whole lives. So bidding on a on an app for them is simple. Yeah. So they're the ones that we're seeing probably, I wouldn't necessarily say they're performing better, but performing better than the other stock. And, and again, not that this really touches you guys too much, but the commercial stock in particular is performing really well at the moment. Commercial and mm. the industrial market across Sydney has probably never been better, I don't think. Interesting. You know, when I'm at auctions and I'm watching the other buyers, you know, I uh, mentioned earlier I get my clues, cues from the auctioneer as to what information they're working on. And then I'm looking, I'm positioning myself so I can see what other bidders are doing. And when people go down to their $1,000 bids, there's usually, you know, there's a change in demeanor. There's often a change in tone. There's there's a, often a conversation between a partner. You know what I mean? You, you can see yep. that they're past whatever, what they wanted to pay. And now they're in the over the limit sort of territory. And then you've got another buyer doing the same thing against them. And they're just going to go, for, I've seen for, I've seen 45 minutes worth of $1,000 bids and that's on site. Yeah, that's on site, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so they give away signs and, and certainly for me as a bidder, I'm looking for those signs because I want to shut them down. I don't want them thinking that they're going to continue doing $1,000 bids with me. It's not going to happen, you know. Mm-hmm. Online, I don't have those clues. You obviously don't have those clues either and those cues, you know, because I know I remember interviewing Damien Cooley and he would talk about where he would lower his voice and he'd really stare right at the person and talk to them and yeah. you can't do that, you know. So I guess you, you you then are totally reliant then on the information the agent gives you. So if that agent isn't that good, and let's face it, not all of them are great, some are fantastic, yep. but if that agent hasn't given you that quality of information, then you really are a bit hamstrung. You got running blind, right? Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Way more than you would be on site because at least on site you get to make your own you know, mm. you can you can read it yourself. So that's quite interesting. But for me as a bidder, I'm not happy with online at all because I'm blind and I don't want to be blind. Yeah, and look, I, I, I would agree with that. And I think from a from a from a buyer's agent's point of view, you know, much like much like me, your ability to utilize your skill set and all the yeah. experience you've developed over the years mm. is is somewhat taken out of your hands. There's absolutely no denying that. Yep. So I think Again, much like I've had to do, it's a matter of probably engaging in more of them and getting it better from a buyer's point of view without mm. sounding all glib there, if you know what I mean. I yeah. just think, you know, trying to engage with the process more by and also utilizing those tactics. I mean, I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head with one of your comments in that 
reading the auctioneer is, is, in my opinion, one of the most important things to do on an, on an auction floor as a buyer. Mm. An auctioneer will change and adjust. And, and speaking of Damien, I mean, I say this quite openly. I think Damien Cooley is one of the best in the country mm. at holding high increments. Yes. He seems to be <laughs> able to do that better than most. And I, I honestly commend him at it. It's amazing to watch. Mm. I'm a little more forgiving. It might be the country boy in me. I don't know what it is, but I'm a little more <laughs> forgiving. I'm happy to sort of just play a little bit longer. But it's, it is amazing to watch him do that and to hold those bigger increments. But again, from a buyer's point of view, just making sure that we get better at it, we practice more at it and use our, utilizing the ideas of seeing what the auctioneer is doing and also those, those bidding ideas that I gave you before where you can come back mm. nice and quickly with yeah. good quality increments. I think that works. Particularly one I, I saw on, no, it wasn't this week, it was Friday last week, there was a buyer that did ones and another buyer that kept coming back with nine. <laughs> and rather than ones, he did three ones. That was it. Whereas that yeah. that battle would normally go on for thirty bids. Yeah. So um, that that to me was a pretty good decision as well. But obviously, I'm the auctioneer. I'll you guys to bid, right? I'm not denying yes. that. <laughs> yeah. Do you obviously you're doing a hundred percent online at the moment, right? There's no way to do on site at the moment. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Correct. So, do you see it? And prior to sort of the shutdown, what were you doing online in terms of the percentage? So all of my rooms are run online. Everything we do there, I now yeah. integrate the systems back through their website. So my idea is that particularly during this COVID period where we couldn't shove our rooms with heaps of people mm. is to say, guys, that's not, not necessarily a reason not to then engage with all these people. So if somebody's come along to your auction and inquired on your property but is not going to be bidding on the property, it couldn't hurt to send them an email of the link of the auction. Mm. Hey, guys, uh, just so you know, you inquired on this property, the auction's online tonight at 5.30. If you've got nothing better to do, click on this link and watch us go around mm. and see how it goes. So that's something as well that I'm that I'm telling a lot of agents to do. Do you see that going to go shift straight back onto on-site and this, let's say, assuming pandemic and all that sort of stuff, do you see the online solution really just playing that stopgap or do you – Ultimately, long-term, think there's going to be a transition in that direction that, yeah, bit by bit will wipe out on site. Yeah, look, the last 12 months is a perfect example that it won't. You know, we're, we're, it's going to integrate and it's going to be a wonderful integration tool to what we already have. Mm. And what it's going to do is is not only for our buyers, right, that are interstate or our buyers that are that are overseas, also for our vendor that's sitting in Greece, right, that that previously mm. couldn't engage with the auction. They had to be on a telephone. Now they can just click on their link and, and watch the whole process as it unfolds. And I also think from, you know, when we're, you know, my job is to sell the property for as much money, but it's also to convince an owner to not let a sale fall out of their hands too. So being part of the process and feeling the pain of these smaller bids is really important for us to educate the owners <laughs> as is the buyers, if that makes sense. Yeah. And we haven't talked about that so much. And you say feeling the pain of the smaller bids. And the end of the day, an agent and an auctioneer wants to get a deal together and, and the owner has to come to the party, don't they? And owner greed can get in the way of a good outcome, for, even for them. Mm. And so I guess, yeah, visibility and, and being part of that and watching that and understanding that they really have seen that had their day in the sun and tested the market, that's an important part of that process, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing. It will integrate. We'll have buyers, you know, over the next 12 months who say, look, I'm just not comfortable coming to your auction at. What are my options? Mm. So it will continue to integrate. But but to go back to your point, it, it will fade away a little bit. The desire to do it on everything won't be there. But the, the, the desire to continue to do it, I think, will remain. Interesting. Are you seeing any change in the appetite to take would do little mini boardroom offers or best and last final offers just over the last few weeks where people are like, well, we don't really even want to do an online auction. Let's see if we can get a manufacturer an offer prior to the auction and just get it done. You know, things that are selling prior to auction more now because of the fear of the online auction. Short answer is yes. And I mean, I'm saying that to a lot of my agents as well is guys, if you're getting down and you've got one buyer that's really good quality and one flaky that you're not sure about, sell it. And they're making offers and they're trying to buy it prior. Don't, don't, you know, it's the same way why I say to people, you know, if, if, if there are the, you know, if an agency utilizes me as their auctioneer and for some reason a vendor has an affiliation with another auctioneer, don't lose the listing over me. Get, take it. It'll be fine. So I think from that point of view, you know, we're just trying to ensure that we get, I don't know, a lot of auctions that, that want to run online, online. And for those that want to wait, they'll wait. Interesting stuff. Jesse, have you got a, uh, a property Dumbo for us? Yeah, I probably do. I mean, I'll tell you one as recently as last night, and I won't tell you the client or the area if that's okay. Mm-hmm. But I had a vendor and an agent who had put on their agency agreement 1.75 to 1.85, I believe mm-hmm. it was. We ran the auction. We had 17 registered bidders last night. It was a very, very good quality auction, went really well, got to 1970 or 86 or something like that. Don't hold me to the exact number. We tried to get hold of the vendor at that point, and unfortunately, the vendor phone was on hold. Now, I don't know what else a vendor would be doing other than shooting in <laughs> the asset we sold, but that's okay. We then finally got hold of her five or it was about probably nearly 10 minutes later. And she said to us, she said, sorry, guys, I was just on the phone to um, to my best friend. And we said, oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, we're just, um, we're just selling your property. If we could grab you for a few minutes. So hang on. So you're entertaining the crowd for 10 minutes waiting yeah, to get hold of us? <laughs> pretty much. And I'm not that funny. I want to make that clear too. So <laughs> hard work. So I was sitting there and we were chatting away. We finally got hold of this woman and she said, look, where's the bid? And they said, 197. She said, oh, that's not not quite what she wants. She gave us a reserve of two and a half million, which <gasps> was way high. Oh. But unfortunately, they, these things happen. I mean, I've mm. seen properties worth three with a reserve of 10. Yeah. Sometimes an owner just wants to feel better about themselves. We can't control that. Mm-hmm. But they certainly indicated to us that they wanted they wanted to work with us and they certainly wanted to sell the property. So we ended up getting there and, and, and I suppose this is the Dumbo portion of it. She then picked up the phone and called this friend back again, who was a friend that had absolutely no experience. And she said, no. hello, I was just wondering, my property's at 1970, what do you think? And her friend <laughs> said, oh, gee, I thought it would have been worth more than that. And oh, she said, no. okay, can you pass it in for us? Thank you. <gasps> and the agent sitting there biting his he- nails just saying, this is inc- like this is an incredible price, 17 registered. Oh, and look, everything's situational, right? You never know what the what happens behind the scenes, but it's, mm. it's funny these things we see from time to time. It, it's an interesting world, real estate. We get the joys of meeting people from all over the place. <laughs> so that didn't sell, right? 
No, it didn't tell. And so it, the side on it was one four something to one six. Is that what you said? Sorry, I just want to. I think, I think it was, yeah, one five, actually. I think we got oh. one five. And the agents were screaming to sell it. And and you know what? The, the worst part of these stories is that the only person that looks bad here is the agent. Mm. And they were certainly given every indication that the property was going to sell, certainly in the late ones. But these things happen from time to time. I think the owner deserves a fine, to be honest, because the reality is they've got a guide and they've got thirty uh, percent above the guide, yep. and they've had offers, and the owner's not selling it. So they're just wasted everybody's time. Mm. Yep. And so there should be some type of obligation on the seller to actually sell because there's lots of obligations on the buyer here, but nothing on the seller to just sort of take that. It's 30% above the guy. Like there should be some type of limit. I don't know. It's, no, it's a, it's it's a really interesting point and it's not a point that I could disagree with. I suppose the only counter argument, and this is something that we all need to understand, is that at the end of the day, it's the owner's property and they have the choice to do whatever they want. <laughs> the, the issue is how that runs over other people in the meantime because there are there is – collateral damage. There's 17 people that have done pest in buildings. There's That's 17 right. people that have spoken to solicitors. But what, what it is proof, I suppose, for everybody listening to understand is that, that agents, it, it's, not, it's not always them. That, that, yeah. that, that has these, you know, that these scenarios, you know, they, they try their hardest, they want to sail as much as you do, but sometimes you just get owners that, that have different ideas on, on what they want things to, to pan out to be. So well, that, that's not being grounded that that that's so far off. That's stratospheric, yeah. and it reminds me a couple of things come to mind. One is that my understanding is in South Australia, and you may you may be able to confirm this, Jesse, that the legislation is that the reserve can't be more than ten percent over what was quoted, and I think that's really probably the smartest underquoting legislation that I've heard around the country because that actually brings the vendor into the equation. Whereas we all know that you can bodgy up your recent sales, you can you can have a conversation with the owner and put something lower on the agency agreement so you can quote lower. There's lots of th- ways around uh, legislation uh, in other states. But when you say, when the vendor says, well, uh, I'm limited in what I can set my reserve at to what you quote, then that sort of brings them, you know, to the party. So that's the first thing. But the second thing, it reminds me of one of those hot auction shows from years ago when I was a selling agent and there was this episode in Balmain and there was this house, it was a horrible house and it was a cave of a house, but it was a hot market and had this this hapless agent and, and didn't last long in the industry <laughs> and he's trying to sell this house and there's this whole bunch of people out there on the balcony, the owner and their friends, you know, chatting about setting the reserve. And one of them, it was in Balmain, and one of them says, oh, it's in Balmain, it's got to be worth 700 <laughs> Uh, You know, just his friend, this random friend that comes from somewhere else. (laughs) And at the end of it, after a a demoralising auction that doesn't, it passes in and it doesn't get anywhere near 700 and the agent's walking up the lane with his, with his, Signboard in his hand, going another day in the you know paradise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can think of another story. I have one in um, in Bankstown. This is a this is probably six seven years ago now, and I turned up to this auction and there was a, a really good young agent. It was a, a development site sandwiched with a block of units of twenty four units left side, twenty four units right side, and a double housing block in the centre. Mm-hmm. 
Now, you can imagine what probably is going to go up there. <laughs> now, we, we went in there and I said to the agent, I said, guys, what do you think it's worth? And he said, look, I think it's worth 3-1. to If we got 3-4, we've done incredibly well. I said, have you got the reserve? And he said, mate, no, I haven't opened it yet, but I've got it. And I said, well, can I grab it? <laughs> opened up the reserve and it was $7.4 million. <laughs> <laughs> I, I walked into this. It was the loveliest Greek family I honestly have ever met. There was there was about fifteen of them there, and they all had a say in the reserve. And I, oh. I just, hey guys, how are you? Great to see you. Thank you for the opportunity today. Yeah. And I just asked one question. I said, guys, I've got to ask you. You guys don't want to sell today, is that correct? <laughs> and they said, no, no, no. Of course we want to sell. And I said, so why is your reserve at double what we're expecting? And they said, oh, we just want control. So that's the frustrating part. And you discuss mm. around what South Australia does. I think they're all very warranted points. And I think mm. from a consumer's point of view, you guys want clarity in terms of how it's going to go. But, you know, it's always that that seesawing effect of an owner who says, look, it's my asset. And if I want mm. to put a reserve of 20 million, I can do what I want. And that's going to be a hard one to beat aside. I don't know how we're going to better it, but it's something to think about into the future. Yeah. You said don't blame the agent, but I just think, you know, a good agent potentially limits that happening, right? So there may be... That I would agree know, with. That I would know, agree with, yes. Like surely there's a bit more skin in the game you can force them to take with, you know, not waiving your marketing costs. So when they first called you and said, I can sell it for two five, and you're like, instead of saying that's unrealistic, you're saying maybe, yeah, we'll get it for you. That gets, let's, let's have a try in the market. And maybe maybe some of those conversations did or didn't happen. But Yeah. And well, the last thing here, like, you know, last night's example, the Dumbo one that I mentioned before, he's actually like probably one of the most experienced agents auction-wise I deal with. Mm. And, 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 you know, it, it's an, I think last night was an example that sometimes you just miss the mark. Sometimes mm. you read the situation and, and you know, so, you know sometimes you – also, you, you believe what you're told. I mean, we've got to kind of, as agents, auctioneers, buyers, agents, we've kind of got to at some stage believe what we're being told, right? So, yeah, it's difficult, but I understand the frustration from you guys' point of view. Certainly, I get that. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> stuff. Jesse, thanks so much for joining us. I'm really glad at short notice because I suddenly thought, look, we need to do an episode on yeah, online auctions. Sure. Uh, we could be doing this for a few months yet. So uh, thanks for joining us and giving us those insights. Yeah, beautiful. No worries at all. Thank you so much for the opportunity and stay safe out there. Awesome, Jesse. And don't go down to the RE and cause another outbreak, mate. I won't. I won't. I promise. <laughs> See you guys. We want to make you a better elephant rider. And this week's elephant rider training is... Quick thing about working with buyer's agents. There was a one little thing that Jesse said very early on that I didn't pick him up on, but I just want to sort of correct at this point of time. And that was when they're selling to buyer's agents, that buyer's agents also want to get a deal because their commission is riding on the sale. It's not always the case. There's certainly some that work that way that their, their payment is contingent on a, on a purchase. And I would say that if you're looking at using a buyer's agent, be very careful about choosing a buyer's agent that does get paid in that way. I know in my business and many of the other buyer's agents that I know that are, that are well-established and been working for a long time and are very good at what they do, that they will charge an engagement fee and they also charge a monthly retainer. And the reason for that, because you do not want someone who's getting hungry and they're starving and they need a paycheck. And in order for them to get that paycheck, you need to buy. You want someone who's actually going to give you good advice throughout the whole process so that when you do buy, you know, you haven't been pushed or rushed and there hasn't been a conflict of interest.
join us for our next episode. We're uh, continuing the lockdown special editions and this time we're turning to Melbourne to get an understanding of how that property market has come out of lockdown, or I should say lockdown and whether or not the Sydney market can look to that for some inspiration or, or some clues as to what might befall that market. Are we going to hit a COVID cliff after all? If you're looking to buy your dream home or an investment property in Sydney's inner west, eastern suburbs or North Shore, my team and I can help you buy without regrets. Reach out via my website, gooddeeds.com.au. If you're looking to buy your first home, thinking of upgrading into a new one or purchasing an investment property anywhere in Australia, my team love to carefully guide you on this journey and most importantly, get the finance right. Reach out via our website, wealthful.com.au. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to see you again. And remember, don't be a dumbo.